Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, uh, which, by the way, is much more than just a a daily report. Uh, It really is a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics uh, through the reports, yes, but also these podcasts and webinars and hopefully one day live events if we can get rid of this COVID thing. Anyway, so along with um, our chief strategist, Shelly Cohan, who's a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And today's topic, (laughs) I quit. Or as Johnny Paycheck said, take this job and shove it. (laughs) And in reality, what we are in fact witnessing is uh, the shift of power from employer to employee. Or how about the great resignation, Shelley? We've been hearing that word around. That's right. Yeah. And, and, get, and get this number. I just got this in the last couple of days. In the past 10 months of this year, American workers handed in nearly 39 million resignations. Wow the highest number since tracking began in the year 2000. And Shelly, you know, this is not a one-off. I mean, many in this industry that I've talked to and and among actually in many different industries across our entire economy, and like so many other major shifts caused by this pandemic, this is a big deal. I mean, it's disrupting and causing tremendous angst across all of the senior and C-level ranks uh, throughout a lot of industries. So what the heck do we do? I mean, it's, it's not unlike uh, the collapse of supply chains around the world. Um, these people who are walking off their jobs, I mean, they are also one link in, in that chain, okay, that they have to figure out what to do about. And, and But one thing we know, at the end of the day, it is power to the people. I mean, more specifically, we do see a huge shift in, in power from employer to employee. And, and Shelly, I know you did a lot of digging here and, and have some uh, pretty revealing numbers. Um, but, I, but I thought I'd start off with kind of a macro overview. Um, the quit rates up across all industries, uh, the total for the U.S. is up from 2.4% to 2.8% uh, from <clears throat> October 2020 to October of this year. And retail trade, empl- retail trade employment, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, was 10.2% of total employment in 2010 and 9.7% in 2020. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics also is projecting Uh, the retail percentage of total employment in 2030, okay, at 8.6%. Wow, that's a big drop. It is. It's it's a 0.4% drop from 2020. Then that's down 600,000 jobs. And that's just in the retail industry. So, you know, some might say that a lot of this is caused by store closings um, and or shrinking of the physical space 
giving way to an increasing online share of, of the total. But, you know, if that were the case, Shelley, we wouldn't be hearing and reading from major retailers, experts, consultants, and so forth. We would not be hearing and reading this outcry that they need thousands of workers, <clears throat> particularly as it was heading into the holiday season. And Shelly, it's, it's, it's not just retail, right? Anecdotally, I heard the need for 80,000 truckers, another huge piece of the supply chain. And it's frontline workers in, in hospitality, <clears throat> fast food, you know, and on and on companies including major retailers, laid off workers during the pandemic with little notice. And now they want workers back, but workers are saying, no way. And not to lay all the blame on the employers, uh, those companies do seem to be clawing back profitability, even while workers seem to have had enough. Like maybe they want more out of life. They're, they're reassessing another career, uh, having plotted along day in and day out in a job that just plain bored them. Also, many who were able to work from home actually got used to it, and they enjoyed more time with family as well as not having to commute, you know, and so forth and so on. So a lot of them would be thinking, you know, about a working from home career. And by the way, a big part of the reason <clears throat> they could take this time off was due to the government stimulus and the extended unemployment benefits last year. It also it helped push up the personal savings rate enormously, you know, across the economy, since people were just not spending as much. So this also provided a cushion for them to uh, take time off from work. And even the recent wage increases and other kind of enticing incentives companies are offering to get them back are in most cases not high enough to offset their kind of self-assessments of their lives. And also not enough to offset the inflationary pricing on top of it all, which just keeps getting worse. Another part of this, is with less workers, companies are asking their strained remaining workforce to do more work or working more shifts. So, you know, so I wonder how long it will take those remaining workers <laughs> to tell their employer to, <clears throat> well, shove it. So I don't know. Shelly, Shelly, can you dive a little further into this mess? Of course, you know, the quit rates and the job opening rates from the Bureau of Labor Statistics really show some interesting trends from October, as you alluded to, Robin, the quit rate. So the quit rate is the number of quits as a percent to total employment. So as you said, we went from 2.4% last October to 2.8% this October. What's kind of a staggering numbers are retail trades specifically Last October, the quit rate was 3.4%, and that has grown to 4.4% in October 21. Even wholesales being impacted. Last year, they were at 1.6% quit rate in October. This year, it was 2.0. And get this, Robin, hotel and food services, as you can imagine, went from 4.6% last year to 6% 
this year. They have wow. the highest quit rate. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, the highest trends of those uh, sectors that are public facing industries and, you know, in the services industry. So hotel, food services, retail. And then if we look at the job open rates, you know, comparing this October compared to last October, the total number of jobs open was 4.6% last year during the pandemic and now is 6.9%. Retail trade is up two percentage points, 4.4% last year to 6.4% this year. Hotel and food services went from 6.3% open rate last year. That's when a lot of the shutdowns and, you know, we had a pullback on, you know, hours of operation in a lot of restaurants um, went from, you know, 6.3 to 10.7 this year. So it's higher this year than last year. And I have to note one other category, uh, which normally I don't, you know, I wouldn't cover, but, you know, transportation, warehousing and utilities, it's all one segment. The job open rate for that category has doubled from 4.3 to 8.6. So, you know, when we talk about all the supply chain issues, you know, that, that's an interesting uh, statistic there. So to add to your list of quit reasons, Robin, are some other factors why workers are quitting. For example, people are trying to upskill and re-enter the job market at a higher level. Right. With remote schooling for grade school kids, there's this added burden of parents becoming the teachers in a remote school environment for younger children. Also, full-time workers have found that through the pandemic, they can actually survive working part-time or working less while being able to spend more time taking care of their family duties. The pandemic has forced consumers to reevaluate their values, reshift priorities of work-life balance. What I mean here, Robin, is more life and less work. And, you know, quitting makes people feel a sense of empowerment and is really creating this movement of, you know, I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, Shelly, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Pam Danzinger, who's one of our brilliant writers, sums it up this way for retailers in her recent article called (laughs) Help Wanted. She says retailers need to explore ways to make jobs more satisfying and fulfilling to provide employees a path to a sustainable career. Pay and benefits are one thing, but there are other non-pay factors that retailers need to consider. It all comes down to changing the employee value proposition. Yeah, you know, that was a great article. I'm glad <laughs> glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I know all those things you said are, are, are good additions to, to what the result of why a lot of this is happening. And of course, uh, as you pointed out, retail and restaurant workers um, kind of in hospitality, kind of have it worse. Uh, they are obviously because they're, they're mostly consumer-facing jobs. And think about the anxiety that causes. I mean, they wake up in the morning knowing uh, they're going to be up close and personal with hundreds of people every day. And now with this Omicron variant, um, it's going to be horrendous. We aren't even at the uh, point. Uh, where it's really going to become like a blizzard of virus. Anyway, so the impact on companies, um, less workers, they can't rehire or even find new replacements. And so they end up reducing their services and products. Uh, They change store hours and they close the stores on certain days. 
And you know, Shelly, you, 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 you take this to an extreme and it is also a major disengagement with the community, right? And, and how do you recover from that? And when you think about <clears throat> having to raise um, wages or other incentives to entice them back, uh, total employment costs, all the costs involved of, um, of employment, uh, those costs are up 1.3% uh, between July and September of this year. And the previous three quarters are up 0.7 to 0.9%. Retail separately is up 1.6%, wholesale up 0.9%, and transportation and warehousing up 1.1%. And, and while these percentages do not sound that high, when you think of the absolute numbers across the board, they're huge numbers, right? Well, the numbers are significant for several reasons, and one being that these increases that you just mentioned, the employment costs, these are on top of other hits to a company's PMN now, like the cost of goods, for example. The other major impact is on small businesses that simply cannot continue to lift wages or add incremental benefits. So unfortunately, this can have a very dire impact on these local mom and pop businesses. Even with the major brands and retailers, both direct-to-consumer or traditional retailers, the impact of reduced services and products, as you mentioned, Robin, it's a real threat to that bottom line. With less workers available, retailers can't even keep up with the incoming stock. So the new stock sits in receiving or the stock rooms. There's an inability to put stock on the shelves. There's longer lines for checkout for consumers. There's less cleaning of stores, which is certainly not a good situation, especially right now. Restaurants have all those issues, plus they're having to reduce their menu options. Um, and hotels are closing services like spas and swimming pools and gyms. Mm. So all these factors will impact this customer experience and may even sour the most loyal customers. And as customers become less satisfied, they become disgruntled, which impacts how they treat workers in public-facing jobs. And you know where this is going, Robin. Workers have had enough, enough working longer hours, more days, enough picking up the slack for open jobs, <clears throat> enough being bullied around by management or bosses, and enough of being beat up by customers. So they're literally saying, I quit. I'm done. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> you can shove it. <laughs> so it's not funny. Um, so Shelly, if, if all of these workers rise up uh, with all of their newfound power, and they start demanding better pay, better working conditions, more work-life balance, and all non-traditional benefits like education or more time off or whatever, aren't we going to see a return to unions, empowering, obviously, the ones that still exist, empowering them even more, and a rise of new ones? Well, Robin, a recent Gallup survey showed that 68% of Americans approve of labor unions. That's the highest since, get this, 1965. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And last year it was at 65%. So we have seen a rise in unionization campaigns throughout various sectors and particularly warehousing and retail environments, but we actually won't see the real impact of these union drives until next year. 
Typically, it takes well over a year to unionize. It's a very lengthy process. And I might add that it's costly for companies to oppose or organizing efforts, including legal fees, loss of employee time, loss of executive time, severe <coughs> drops in productivity. It's a, it's a major distraction to the business. So not even taking into account all those costs, the business also is impacted by employee morale, cultural impact, division of workers and management, et cetera. So when we actually look at the data, the union affiliation jobs, so these are jobs covered by a union compared to the total number of people employed, the numbers we're seeing from the Bureau of Labor Statistics is a small increase from 2019 of 11.6% of unionized workers as a percent total employment to 12.1% in 2020. It is interesting to note that we're seeing increases, incremental small increases in both full-time and part-time workers. But we may not see the impact of what is happening today until 2023. So the other significant change in unionization strategies or avenues where vexed workers can complain about their current jobs or bosses, you know, is through social media. And social media becomes the quote unquote voice of distressed and disgruntled workers. Their posts about quitting are proliferating across the internet, including TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and social media becomes the newest wave of organizing efforts for unions. Yeah, there you go, Shelley. <clears throat> social media, once again, super powerful. I mean, it is, it is, it is come into our lives in ways that none of us could ever have expected. And this is another one. Um, there also was a recent Vox article on recent unionization efforts, including Starbucks, Amazon, and meal kit delivery service, HelloFresh. In fact, last month was named Striketober. Get it? Strike October. <laughs> Unbelievable. As more than 100,000 workers across all industries, including workers at John Deere, and in film and TV crews, they all participated in various labor actions. So, oh my God, Shelley, back to the future, right? Unless we remember the power of the Teamsters and the United Auto Workers, um, you know, does this bode well? Maybe, maybe for the return of the lost middle class in this country, and maybe the reshoring or nearshoring of a lot of manufacturing industries and maybe a good thing for another reason of this global supply chain collapse. Well, here's another frightening number as we begin to close our podcast conversation today. So current workers thinking about quitting in the next year, I've seen ranges from anywhere from 38 to 56%. And one survey showing that 65% of workers were looking for new jobs. This was back in August. Wow. And last, a, last year, yeah. it's, it's, it's so significant. Last year, that same survey showed only 22% of employees looking to quit their jobs. So you can see the difference is tremendous. Yeah. In, in October, over 4.1 million people quit their jobs. 
on top of September, which was 4.3 million, on top of August, 4.2 million. You know, last October in 2020, during the pandemic, when we were in lockdown mode, only 3.3 million people quit. So when we look year over year, 800,000 more people quit their jobs this October. Whoa. <laughs> and now we have Omicron, scarier and three times more transmittable than Delta. Yeah, we're hearing that the, the effects are not, not, uh, not so bad. Um, but anyway, how much of a new shutdown? We don't know. And in what sectors are they going to be in? So far, uh, there hasn't been uh, an enormous amount of shutdown, particularly in New York. Um, you know, but can the maybe can the final positive impact when this all passes be, as I mentioned before, maybe a reinstatement of a strong middle class, which would be a good thing, be able to offer the American dream to anybody and everybody who's willing to work for it. That could be another one. Uh, we all bring big swaths of the manufacturing back here or, or near here. How about more innovation and entrepreneurial spirits unleashed? Unleashed by the forced time people were holed up and alone. For people to find their own kind of inner creator, so to speak. And on a much bigger and more critical scale, can this historical mess we're living through as a result of an attack on Earth and the human species, really, can result in the planet coming together to fight the bigger enemy, that being climate change? Well, Shelley, the optimist in me says, I hope so. Uh, the cynic in me, I don't even want to go there. Well, Robin, we can only hope for sure. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I thank you all once again for joining us. And um, uh, as I've said before, if any of you have an idea buzzing around in your head or a topic that you would love Shelly and I to cover, please email me at robin at the robinreport.com. Thanks again.